So yeah, I'm waiting for someone to, to call bullshit on all of that. But apparently it's all true. It's mainly because my father was disgusted with it. And that made me so happy. I think you have to have a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety and have something that keeps it challenging. Otherwise, why bother? <laughs> Welcome to The Impostress. The Impostress is hosted by me, Michael Knox, and Graham Drew, two rather insecure frauds who will be exploring the motivating and debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome, with a sneaky suspicion that it might just be your superpower if you let it. I think it's important to be a little bit scared or have a little bit of fear of what we're doing. I can be your regular therapist if you like. <laughs> so, um, hey Steve, how are you doing? Oh, morning, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. It's Monday, so Knox is not here. Well, what's um, his story? Has he got a better offer, has he? Or? Well, uh, Melbourne came out of lockdown, didn't they? So I think he's probably nestled up with a Negroni asleep by the fire. Yeah, still trying to get home probably. <laughs> so <laughs> who have you got today? Um, we've got a great guest today. Um, Someone who I've only actually met once um, on, a, on a jury, but um, I thought he was really good fun and said some really interesting things. But then I would say that because he's a guest right now. Um, we have Daniel Lobotan. Now, he's done a lot of great things. And I guess one of the, uh, one of the hallmarks, one of those lucky things is he was, he was part of the, the Tidad. You know, and Tidad is one of those Hall of Fame campaigns, you know, like Guinness, Surfers or... Um, so what a, it's one of those ads that you just kind of, it goes up on the wall and it'll be there forever. Yeah, just a typical Super Bowl car ad. Right? Or a hilarious beer ad. <laughs> or whatever ad this is. Whatever. But it's a Tide ad. What? It's a Tide ad. What makes it a tie out? There are no stains. Look at those clean clothes. What else would this be an ad for? So that in itself is an amazing achievement. But not only that, he's um, recently become CCO at Saatchi's New York. First time they've ever in, um, promoted someone to the big chair internally. Prior to that, um, he was a creative director at VML, Latin Work, Young and Rubicam. He's worked all over the place. He's got a bachelor's degree in advertising. He's one of those people that actually has studied what they're doing, don't make it up as they go along like we do. Um, and he's even got a master's in marketing and product management from the Gustave Eiffel School of Management in Paris. Um, first lesson of management, build a really big tower to yourself and then people will take you seriously. Um, so Daniel, hello. How's life in New York? Good. I mean, it started to get a little chilly. Um, but um, overall, we're doing good. I mean, um, everyone's asking, when do we go officially back to the office? Some people are going, some people are not. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but the city is like, you know, it's alive. Every, every, everything's almost back. So, yeah, that's good. And how long have you been in New York now? Um, I'm going to say five, five years and a half, maybe. Something like that. Maybe. maybe. You're quite used. You're used to <laughs> New York will do that to you. Um, but you're used to traveling. You're originally from Peru, but you started in Paris, of course, weirdly. Then you went to Kansas. Then you went to Austin, and now you're in New York. So, how do you learn to fit in amongst all those sort of you know very very different cultures? 
I think that's the, uh, it's a super tricky question. And I know, you know, like I've been thinking about that a lot lately because it, it is one of those things that you don't know how to necessarily pass along to someone else where it's like, listen, you just need to, you need to MacGyver your way through situations. You know what I mean? Just take the paperclip and try to <laughs> defuse the bomb in whatever way possible. And I think it's kind of been that. I, I, I blame the Latin side of things. I think we learn how to adapt. We learn how to hack things. You know, we learn how to see um, a way around things because um, I don't think normally you hear critics from South America being like, oh, we're, we come from the crisis, so we know how to deal with crisis. But I think this is kind of that. It's like you, you're, you're suddenly in a, in a completely different place and all you can do is like quickly understand the rules and see how you can squeeze around and, you know, hack the system. So even to your point, like about the master's degree uh, in France, like everyone was killing each other to get their first, their internship within the master's degree. And the one thing I realized is no one really spoke English that well because the French aren't that known for speaking English, right? And so I was like, well, I have that going on for me. So I'll just apply to Procter & Gamble. And like, I didn't know any of the numbers. I didn't know any of the technicisms, but I got an internship and I, you know, the English helped a lot. And so just taking those type of things and being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to use this one little skill set that I know will, you know, people think my way is, <laughs> is kind of the trick. And, and confidence is a big part of it you know one of what I think you know one of the real themes that we found is this sort of fake it till you make it kind of attitude do you think that yeah. applies to how you sort of gone on through things I think I was thinking about that phrase because I was thinking about the the podcast and I was thinking like how English has this way of salvaging those phrases like just thinking about the imposter in general and there are these phrases of like is this person the real deal or not the real deal? Like that's a way of, you know, yeah. separating the imposters from not. And then there's the whole, like, what you just said, fake it till you make it, which which kind of sounds like don't feel shame for being an imposter. <laughs> you know what? I, when you think about it a little bit, yeah. like that phrase is a little bit like, you can be an imposter. It's fine. Everyone's trying to do that, you know? Um, I think it's a little bit of that. I'm I'm not the most confident, or I wasn't the most confident person. I still probably am not. Um, so I think that I don't know if that's necessary. Like I've seen a lot of people that are extremely confident that just like plows through the insecurities. I think I I plan a little bit more than plow. Like mm -hmm. I just I just really think things through and I go like, oh, this might go wrong. This might go right. This piece might go here. It's a little bit of a chessboard. And then once okay. I kind of plotted it out, I'm like, now I can go, you know, just like the English thing I explained to you about. It's, it's not, oh, I'm so good at marketing. I'm going to get the mask. It was like, where's the actual way that yes. I can where's the secret tunnel allow me into the <laughs> yes. it's exactly that like a video game yeah. it's like where's the cheat code not, not the cheat code but like the right little yes break, so a lot of it's know? about preparation for you you know that's what totally. will allow you to rather than just jumping in trusting your instincts you're actually no what is preparation will help you sort of give you the confidence to go into those situations yeah i and think then, i'm on earth like that <laughs> no i mean everybody's got their own kind of um coping strategies i would say you know and you know as creatives we kind of develop these skill sets these these ways of getting navigating around these occasions because you know no matter how good you are 
sometimes things just don't work out. You know, nobody's perfect. And um, I was wondering if the, when was the last time that happened to you? You know, and how did you get past it? When did things not go well? Um, I mean, there's been a bunch of times, right? Like, I think to your point, it's, it's I tend to start on what will not go well. Like a, a boss of mine used to say, I'm, paranoia is my secret weapon. And, and when he said that, I was like, oh, I, I guess it's mine. Like, I never articulated yeah. it that way, but it's totally mine too, because I think I tend to go like, okay, so everything goes wrong, right? You, everybody knows what happens if everything goes right, especially in the US. Like, I think people are extremely optimistic and they're like, it's going to be amazing and yeah. everything's going to turn out fine. And I think- That's what I you say to the client. Start- but really uh, even that like sometimes i tend to be that, that guy who says like well can can you give us some flexibility can you give us some wiggle room and pretty much what i'm asking for is like let me have a solid plan b just so that i know in the edit room in the execution in the whatever that i have a plan b yes and and most of the times they agree because you just but you just plot them out for them. No? You're like, okay, so this will happen. Especially like, I think we've gotten used, at least on, on, on the past five years at Sachi, we've gotten used to making these very intricate campaigns where we orchestrate, like this is going to happen at this time and then this is going to happen at that time, you know, and this TV show will interact with this campaign. And it's just so many moving pieces that that's especially when you go, I need a backup plan. I, like I need an out, you know? And yes. so that that's kind of the way not not that we don't know what the what the best case scenario is is that we plan for the worst case scenario too. <laughs> i guess that's can you think of an example a specific example when that happened when you had to really kind of pivot on something i mean i can tell you i don't know how much behind the scenes i can tell you but um we went in on a super bowl campaign um without completely knowing all our partners so we were doing again this like cross brand partnership thing. Okay. And we were in LA and we didn't quite have everyone on board. And so we had like a map and it was like this might fall apart and then this might jump in. And, and I remember being with a client going from studio to studio trying to find the right partner for, for our program. And it happened magic like all the stars aligned like at the last minute like at the last minute it was like boom 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 boom. everything fell into place and everything went amazing but there was a moment there where it was like like are we really gonna are we really gonna get out of this one intact or not you know because it's a it's a lot of responsibility this type of program especially in the super bowl and so on it's like yeah such a big stage that yeah Did you see the one with Mystery Apartment Girl? Who? The Mystery Apartment Girl! She feels a breeze coming from behind the medicine cabinet. So she looks behind it, and guess what she found? A hole. A hole what? Thing, you know, just a big hole. How big was the hole? Medium. It was a big hole. It was like a human-sized hole. She grabs a hammer, you know, for protection. Did she go in? No, don't go in there. She squeezed her way through. This is freaking me out, Tony! So I'm going to switch gears thing a little bit. So you're a big comic book fan, aren't you? 
Um, actually, a lot of creatives are. I think it's kind of, for many of us, it's our first sort of first love, really, when it comes to things that are artistic. And um, Michael Bendis is your hero, the classic times. And one of the hallmarks of those, um, those classic characters is the whole secret identity thing. You know, there's no Spider-Man without Peter Parker hiding behind that mask. Do you think we develop masks as creatives? Do you think we kind of, we put our, put on a costume, so to speak, when we go into work or when we go into pitch? Absolutely. There's no question about it. And, and I think it's fascinating how you can choose to put it on or you can choose at some point, you can choose to be like, okay, I mean, the costume's gonna stay on, right? It's just gonna be, I think that, <laughs> I think you can play it two ways. I think you can try to put on the mask, and but I do feel people realize the mask is on more mm. often than not. I, I think a lot of clients eventually learn. Like the first time, maybe they're by it. The second time, they're like, what's going on? But by the third time, they know this is a performance, you know, unless yes. you're really good. Um, yes. And then the other thing, I like now that you're talking about childhood, like, one of my favorite like Batman animated episodes is when they ask Bruce Wayne whether he calls himself bat himself Batman in his head whenever he's thinking about things. And he's like, no, I never calls myself Bruce Wayne, I calls myself Batman. And I'm like, that's the other way of wearing the mask, where you're like, it's constantly Internally. on. Yes. It's like it's always on. And so I think when you get to that balance of like, you're just gonna be, you're just gonna embrace his character and just like not uh, not play to different audiences but just like go all in this is the character that may be more legitimate because i do think that your that it, your creatives don't see you switching gears so obviously and, and i yeah. realized especially on zoom especially like like i took this new role of cco that day lockdown started in the u.s and so it was really it's weird to go from, obviously, <laughs> chief quarantine officer, you know, yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> but, but I think that, <laughs> I think that when Teams happened and Zoom happened, people saw the on and off button way too, obviously. You know what I mean? You, want, you were like making the last tweaks on the deck on one Zoom call and then bam, on the next Zoom call you were like a completely different person that's super charming and da 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 da, -da. And, I, and, and I think I realized man, that must be really weird on the other side, you know, to see someone being like that line isn't great and then at the next moment it's like, this is the best line we've ever written and it's like, you don't want that <laughs> you, you want, you know, I don't think it builds morale I don't think I think that's the best thing about the pandemic is that people saw each other in sweatpants and I hope that stays. I hope that like, this is my house. I didn't have the time to hang any paintings and sorry, client, it is what it is. You know, I just moved apartments and that kind of breaks the character a little. I think so and too. I think I that, mean, I think that's really Zoom, good. It's really, I mean, Zoom calls are exhausting. And I mean, I was reading something about one of the reasons they're so exhausting is that you're staring at yourself. You keep sort of, your eyes keep looking at you and apparently that's really, I mean, it's the worst thing to do anyway. But um, but what I've loved about the, the Zoom thing is exactly that I think the masks have slipped a bit. And it's that kind of that initial five to 10 minutes of calls where you're talking with clients or with your team, where you're being so much more personal than you ever were before. 
you know, like you're talking to CMOs and usually it's straight to business, but now the CMOs going like, oh my God, I cannot get my kids to homeschool and da, 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 da. And it's just like, it's so nice because the masks slip a little bit. You know, those, those sort of super confident, know exactly what I'm doing masks are kind of like a little bit less important because there's this bigger thing going on, which everybody's got in common. And I think it's been very good for everybody, actually. It equalized a lot, you know. Yeah. It also made like, someone said this on a, I don't remember whether I was like having a conversation with another CCO or a CMO or something. And someone pointed out, you can no longer hide behind the agency. Mm. There is no fancy building. There is no super cool screen thing with yes. whatever that. It's like all you can show is the idea that's projected on the Zoom call and your face, which you know, some people have nice faces, some people don't, <laughs> and it's what it is. But I think that's kind of like the the wonderful thing about it, no? It's like now, literally, best idea wins. Best idea wins. If ever there was a time, yeah, it's now. It's really, it's a very, very good point. Now everybody looks the same. They're just yeah. in a little square, doing their jazz hands the best they can. And uh, it's also the post-it. Yeah. You know how you see an idea on a post-it, and you go like, "That's a great idea." stop like i think the clients have they always had it but i think now there's no surrounding noise now they're they literally read the script faster than you read it yeah in the presentation like it's up in the screen and they go like some clients have been like stop we like it like that's what we're doing you know and you're like great fantastic you know because then i everything you're saying about the secret identity and the characters and all of these yeah. It's just over because it's really like, look, <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is the thing. It's yeah. on a paper. And I think that's fascinating. I, I mean, I'm so happy. This is the, the part where I'm really happy that these were my first month's year. Now it's a year and a half, year and a half as a CCO because I'm pretty sure, and this is the imposter thing, I'm, I'm better at that than at the whole fireworks, yada, yada, you know? And yeah. that's great. Like I, it couldn't have played better to my strengths in this chessboard that I was telling you about, you know? Yeah, because there's a pure... MacGyvering through a CCO role. But now you're at the head, you're the leader. Have you worked out, the, you know, the kind of leader that you want to be? The kind of... I mean, you, you've hinted at it before about the honesty behind ideas and things, which is very cool. But in lockdown, have you, have you had the time to think about that? So I think I was that crazy creative super hungry creative when I was you know a younger creative and Mm. when I met my now wife she was like that's not gonna fly for much longer like that's not gonna take you places and so I when I was in Kansas City I think that was a place where I was the most exposed to people to your to our very first point in the conversation that were completely different than me uh, in every sense you know it's just like it's the heart of America and it, it's, they're Americans, you know? And, and I, before that, I was in Austin, Texas in a multicultural agency, which means I had like Mexican friends, Colombian friends, Ecuadorian friends, Brazilian friends, Argentinian boss. Like it felt, of course there were like Americans and whatnot, but like it felt a little bit like, okay, well, I haven't completely left. I had worked with Americans in Paris, but we were all immigrants there. But in Kansas City, it was like, there's, there was not, I couldn't quite figure out 
what the link was, except, you know, Star Wars, Saturday Night Live, like that type of mm -hmm. thing that you can quote and they'll be like, oh, haha, the Peruvian knows uh, a joke from the <laughs> office, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, but, but, but I realized that there's, there's all these managerial skills and turning things into very um, catchy language that I think South Americans might roll their eyes if you ever say, you know, like, I don't know. I, I can't quote one of those right now, but I know that Americans just go like, bam, I made the succinct version of what you're trying to say and it will travel across the agency. And I, and I think I, got, I just realized I had to lean in and I started like learning all of that stuff. I bought the Pixar book that if you haven't read, you should definitely read that Creativity Inc. Amazing book. And I realized that I admire that agency. Like, don't get me wrong. BML Kansas City is an amazing agency. And, and I just went like, I shouldn't resist. I should learn. And I learned a lot. I just learned a lot from listening to my bosses and listening to my ECB and listening to the CCO, listening to everyone. And it just became this thing of like, by that time I got to New York, I realized that was probably the master's theory in, in all of that stuff. Mm. Now, I think there's a massive leap from being a good creative director to being a CCO <laughs> that I clearly did not uh, take. You know, I didn't think about it because to your, I remember I was in a meeting with our operations office uh, officer and she was um, giving me a review. There was no CCO at the time. Javier had left and whatnot. And she tells me all the good things, all the things I could improve. And she says, what's your five-year plan? And I say, and I just like, I had never had that confidence in my life. But for some reason, I looked at her in the end and said, I want to be CCO of a New York agency. Like, and I just said it. And she laughed and she's like, I'm sure you'll get there with time. You just need to keep working on yourself. And then like three years later, I'm in this role in a pandemic. And I was just like, I, because everyone was running around crazy about what was going to happen with the world. I think I went back to basics. I think I went back to, I can do the work. Let's start there. You know, let's start yeah. with what, what, let's start with the work and then build up. Because if everything goes wrong as you build up, you can always go to the solid foundation of is the work good or is the work bad? And I think in the process, I started realizing, luckily, in a, in a, I think in a more managed way because of Zoom, Mm -hmm. all the different things that I needed to improve and so on and so on. But ultimately the message was I'm about the work, which I'm happy to be, you know, to yes. the clients, to the creatives, to the accounting, to everyone. They kind of knew, but I think it got really. Do you think imposter syndrome can ever be a good thing? And if so, tell me why fear is not to be feared. Imposter syndrome is the one thing that keeps you going. I listen, you mentioned that when we first started the conversation, you can't imagine how you feel the day after. You cannot imagine. It's like the shadow of a campaign that you know was extremely successful. It took me like two years to get past the shadow and then be back on my feet and being like, okay, like it was a curve. And I think we did good work in the process. Huh? But in my mind, it was always like, no matter what we do, no matter what we put out in the world, everyone's going to be like, eh. You know, and and yes. I'm super proud of the work. We did amazing. We have an extraordinary client, but the imposter syndrome was just staring me in the face, you know? Um, and I think that's the reason. That's the reason fear should not be feared because you need to, 
you need to, like Captain America, stand up and be like, I can do this all day. And then take an expunge and then go on and go on and go on until you shake it off, you know? Um, yes. But again, it's it's not going to happen in some magical Tumblr TikTok quote that you're going to be like, oh, that's a great quote. It's coming from like standing up, doing the work, looking at the imposter syndrome in the face and then doing, you know, proving it wrong if you want. Mm, I think so. That's, that's awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. you so much for doing Sunday with us. No, no, no. Amazing. It, awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Very nice to meet Bye, you. Bye, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey. You have to wash Jason Alexander hoodie. That looks clean to me. Is it, though? Thank you very much for listening to The Imposterous. Apart from our fine, imposterous guests, none of this would have been possible without the help of the following wonderful frauds. Firstly, Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, best music and sound house in Australia. If you would like to catch up on all the other podcasts in The Imposterous series, visit theimposterous.com. Here you can also get in touch with us via email. You owe Jason Alexander Hoodie an apology. Hey, that's my face! You can't just wear my face! My mom told me to say I'm sorry. Give me back my face! <laughs>